Praise God. What a great church. What a great, what a great uh, season you are in. I, I really see God elevating you all and increasing you in your maturity and your influence. Uh, your pastor and their wife is growing. Dr. Ui, am I right? Uh, you know, I bring you greetings and uh, I'm actually in my sabbatical. Uh, I just came back from Chiang Mai. Carrie uh, uh, and also Daniel was there. And a lot of people has been asking me how was the silent retreat. And I was been, I have, it, it is a, a, a work that has started in my life that are, is still continuing. And I, I would say that one of the things that I want to share with you is that I, I share a thought with you that I share with my mentor. And I say, he asked me how was my silent retreat. And this was what I wrote to him. On the first day, my spiritual director, Rinda, asked me, uh, where are you? Where am I? And I find myself uh, unable to answer a simple question like that. Where am I, God? Well, it took me a long time to slow down. It is like a full speed uh, ask, uh, going for a heartbreak. So I wrote, I am grateful, yet anxious. Feeling lost, yet found. Stuck, yet seems progressing. Far, yet close. Confused, yet clear. Really tired, yet hopeful. Restless, yet restful. In the same time, I said, I am everywhere and I am nowhere. You know, that has been my reflection on my first day of my silent retreat. How many of you can identify with me that sometimes we are everywhere, yet we are nowhere? Coming into a church like that, I remember just a few nights ago while I was doing word search with my daughter, Katie, and the answer was so clear, and she was very anxious, and she was saying that, Papa, can I look behind for the answer? And I realized that sometimes coming to church, going, going to cell group, and being a Christian long enough, it is like we come into this place where we are given a workbook. A workbook or an activity book. How many of you have done an activity book before? Yes. You, you do enough questions. You just do enough papers that every time when my kids are going through the workbook, they can't wait, you know, but to go to the answer to see if it is correct or not. The workbook is a thought that people write down. Questions that people think are important. Coming to church, sometimes we are going through a workbook after another workbook. Activity books to just keep us occupied. And then we are very anxious for what people will say is the right answer. We are very anxious for what people will say is how we should live our life. We are very anxious as Christians to think that how would I answer correctly to so-called calling, ministry, service, so that I can live a right life. Stepping into the silent retreat, I was shocked because... Suddenly, there is no workbook. And it is like a blank canvas that I just stared there. And I said, God, what should I do? Draw a stick, man. Draw Liverpool formation. Draw the cross. I don't know what to do. For once, when I was reading the Bible... My mind can't stop because I was thinking about sermons. For every pages that I read, for every verses that I go through, I was thinking like, God, this will be a good point for Daniel. <laughs> God, this will be great for their marriage. God, this will be great for collective. I was just thinking in terms of workbook and I can't stop. My mind just keeps spinning and spinning. And God said, the beauty of Canvas is that you just focus on me, journeying with me hearing from me, writing stories that I have for your life. 
it was a great struggle, so difficult, and I want to tell you that you think that pastors are close to God. That probably is not the truth. Sometimes I said, God, I'm so far away from you, and I thought I'm in your house. And you no, know, sometimes you can be in a place, but not really there. You can be so close to a person, yet so far. And I was then able to answer the simple question, where am I? I was simply very fragmented, very disjointed. I am very disintegrated. I am everywhere and I am nowhere. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That I can be here yet, my mind is in on my Instagram. I can be here yet thinking about lunch later. I can be here but not here. I can be at home but not really home. I can be in a church but not really in church. And God says the most important thing when you look into this canvas is that you understand that I have something personal just for you. Nothing wrong with workbook because my kids need to go through the workbook to train the discipline, to get the basic structure and understanding of our walk with God. There's nothing wrong with going through a Bible study, nothing wrong with coming to church, going through the order of service. It helps us in our steps. But we cannot just survive with workbook. We cannot just survive with when nobody is watching you, when you wake up in the morning. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to pray. When there's no music, there's nobody singing, ooh la la, you won't wake up early in the morning and like, God, you don't do that. There's no workbook. There's no template. There's nobody challenging you. Oh, come, let's lift up your hands. You won't wake up early in the morning and just lift up your hands. God wants a canvas kind of relationship. It was a struggle for me and it is still a struggle for me. And I am learning to just enjoy silence because in silence, it is where God just speaks directly to my heart. Can I have an amen? amen? Let's learn to be a church that is strong, that enjoy sometimes not having all the structure in your life and just say, God, what is the story that you want me to write today? Don't just copy. You know, my, my, my kids are learning every day, God, things here, dictation, la, spelling, la. Renchana, la. Renchana is the killer for my daughter. Every day when Renchana time, she wants to make sure I go home early because all the words that she's studying, she's reading, she's just memorizing, she doesn't understand. I have to go and paint the story for her, you know. And there's so many Malay words that she just couldn't understand. And I have to explain to her using stories so that she doesn't memorize. She goes in and I said, the words is, um, the structure is not accurate, never mind. As long as you write the story, can already. You know, if, if you didn't score 10 over 10, don't worry. Baba won't be upset. So I realized that sometimes activity books has become a crutch for our relationship with God. And I want you to learn to just be in love with Him. Amen? So as I was preparing and I was uh, thinking through what to share with you this morning, let's look at a very special vessel, uh, a very special word that came up to my mind while I was preparing. Um, it is a boat, a boat found in Mark chapter, uh, the whole entire gospel of Mark. Today, I want to talk to you about the story of the boat. The story of the boat according to the gospel of Mark as we remember Christ this Easter. I, know, I want to encourage you, to, can I have the liberty to encourage all of you to take time to fast and pray this week? remembering what Christ has done for us as well. And this is what we do back home as well. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 20. If you love the Word of God, say yes. yes. 
As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the calling of the first four disciples in the Gospel of Mark. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. What were their profession? Can you talk to me? Yes, fishermen work from where? The boat. They need the boat to go out to the sea to catch fish. So when we read this um, passage growing up, we realize that discipleship is about leaving our nets, leaving our boat to follow Jesus. Instead of catching fish, you start to catch men. This boat, where God first called His disciples, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we're forgotten. We thought that when you leave something, you no longer go back to it. And how wrong was I when I began to just read Mark over and over again? I realized that the boat kept appearing again and again and again. And I say, God, I thought they have left the boat. I thought they have left their past. I thought they have left where they came from. But God showed me that that is not the case. The boat just keep coming back. Many of us heard the calling of God when we were in our high school, when we were in primary school, where we came from this family, from this background. We came from this boat that we were in previously and we left. It can be, you were, well, God called you, they were catching fish. You were catching your straight A's. Maybe you were catching your, you were catching your all presidency in all your clubs, you know, you are the... Inter Interact Club President, Leo Club President, uh, John, uh, St. John President, and every chess club president, you were catching your success and God called you. Suddenly, you started serving God. You left your net to follow Him. So a lot of times, I realize that when God calls us, He calls us from where to where. He calls us from what we used to think, what we have, what we do, what people say, to where He calls us to be a child. Does it make sense to you? He calls us from when we were putting so much uh, value into what do we own, what people say about us, what we have, what we do, to a place where we say, God, I am your child. I am valuable because of you. The disciples were the same. They left their nets, their boats to follow Jesus Christ. But what happened after they left their boat? They left their boat. But what happened Thereafter, I realized that the boat came back and it reminded me how God would use where we come from. Like Moses, when God started using him, God asked him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. And God did not ask him to throw away the staff, but God uses the staff to deliver the children of Israel. Like David with the five stones, when God wanted to deliver them from the hands of Goliath, God did not ask David to throw away the stone but to use what he is used to as a shepherd boy to kill the enemy. Like Joseph, with the ability to manage, to think, to dream, to strategize, to pray, God uses what Joseph had to deliver the children of Israel. Like the boy with five loaves and two fish, God uses what he had in his hands to feed the multitudes. Are you all with me or not? So if the disciples as fishermen came from the boat and using the net, of course God would use where they came from. Are you following the story? 
And I want to confess to you that when I was growing up, I have a complaint. I say, God, why you make me an introvert? Why you make me so dull? Why you make me so boring? Why am I so rigid? Why am I not creative? Why can't I sing and dance? I can sing and dance, but nobody will appreciate. You understand? Uh, why can't I get a simple C for my Lukesan? The best I got for my Lukesan is a pass. Even when drawing a poster like Dada Membuno. For every year, I hope this topic will come out again and again because I will just paint the background black first. And then I will write Dada Membuno, then just red, use red, red, red paint to just make it down. And then it looks messy, but it is an art because Dada Membuno is... But other than that, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything else. I always got just passed. I said, God, why you make me so black and white? Why my life is not turning colourful? And especially when I know Pastor Kevin. And he is a person that is so charismatic. And he is a person that says, okay, this green light should be there. The red light should be there. You know, the follow spot should come out this time. And no, you're off already. Why are you singing out of tune? Why the beat is like that? I'm like, hey, everything is okay, what? <laughs> what happened? I thought, it's perfect. What's wrong? Keith, off beat lah. Just now, it should come in already. It didn't come in. You don't know, man. I don't know. God, why you make me like that? Why am I so rigid? And I, I thought to serve God, I have to forgo all I came from to be someone else. And I, 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 I feel miserable being an engineer. Why am I so analytical? Until I came to understand that to be creative is not to just be artistic, but to be creative, it is really to have an appetite to solve problem. The artist has an appetite to solve the problem of boredom or black and white or the, uh, 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 a boring life with colours. And all of us, we have an opportunity to be creative for God because God is a creative God. I began to embrace my identity as an engineer. I began to embrace my identity as someone that is more sequential, a little bit more structured and systematic. I began to develop my sermons according to my thought patterns. And over the years, I want to tell you what I've overcame is that when people come to me and say, I like how you present your sermon because your thoughts are easy to follow. I begin to embrace, not to compete with anyone else, but to know that, yes, God has called me off from the boat, but the boat is where I come from, and this is where I will serve God. Make sense to you? I begin to embrace the boat is the identity for the four disciples, and then you will be surprised how much the boat came back. So for some of the disciples, how did they serve? Of course, they served just like a, an expert on the sea, on water, to bring Jesus around. This church is not just a building. You agree with me? This church is the people. The boat that I'm talking about is not just this building. The boat that I'm talking about is your life, where you come from, your identity. Let's look at the first boat that appeared in Mark chapter 3, verse 7 to verse 9. Mark chapter 3, this is where we should all begin. If you love the Word of God, say yes. If you love the Word of God, say yes. yes. That's good. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, it says, Jesus withdrew with His disciples, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all He was doing, many people came from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, 
and the regions across the Jordan and Tyre and Sidon, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Talking about ministry success, isn't this a picture of ministry success? You have too many crowds. You go everywhere, people are following you. You have to add chairs, rows per rows, because too many people want to get near you. Is that a picture of success? But Jesus said, get ready a small boat. Why? Because I want to be away from the crowd. Mark chapter 6, verse 32 it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So the first boat, our lives, is to tell us that we are to get away from the crowd. To where? To a wilderness, to a place where we can connect to God. Mark 6, 45, let me read to you. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. City Light, listen to me. This boat is to help the disciples get away from the crowd. This boat is to help Jesus get away from the crowd. Why? Because our foundation of our faith is to be connected to God before connect to people. We must remind ourselves that our identity, where we come from, it has to help us to go back to God in the wilderness in solitude. The church has filled us with a lot of activities and I understand that, that we feel pumped, we feel excited when people come around us. But there is a need for all of us in this busy city, in our busyness to be away. Say be away. away. That our faith is practiced in a community but our faith is practiced in our devotion to the Lord. The boat is important because the boat will bring us away. And often, you read the Bible again and again, Jesus often withdrew himself from the crowd so that he could find a place to pray to his Father in heaven. You know that, right? But how often are we practicing that? To have ourselves being away from the crowd, away from your Instagram, that's very crowded. Because you can never finish the Insta story, am I right or not? Just when you finish the last one, a new one is coming. Nowadays, you know, it's very scary when you watch uh, Facebook. Because they prompt you to another video. And then they prompt you to another video. And then they prompt you to another video. Then I was watching this kid from Taiwan called Nicole and something. The, 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 the little girl was so cute and I watched and then suddenly I realized 30 minutes has gone and I've watched so many videos of this Nicole and something about this little girl. Oh my gosh, it's crowded. Am I right or not? We are busy collecting our likes, busy collecting our views, busy, you know, being connected. And Jesus said that you must get away in a most practical sense. Can we have a portion of a day just for God. One day, probably 15 minutes. One day. So my, my challenge, I'm, I'm teaching you what's practical for me. My challenge is always, before I sleep, I say, God, I won't sleep with a screen in front of me. I won't sleep with a screen in front of me. You know what? Sometimes there's a worry that when I sleep and I wake up, the world has changed. But most often, the world hasn't changed. Sometimes the score results change. 
but that is not my world. You understand? My challenge is when I wake up, the first thing, don't touch my phone. You know, it's not easy for me. I, I, I said, okay, let's, let, let, let me end my night with kissing my kids, praying for them, then go to sleep. But most often, I end my night watching something until the phone on my forehead. And then I just put it to the side. So often, my phone or my iPad dropped to my face. How many of you experienced that before? Ruben, Ruben, steady. How often I have my iPad, not my forehead, then I woke up. I just practice and say, okay, the last 10 minutes of my sleep is not going to be screen, but God. Amen? It will be hard for Timothy and Clara now, but it's okay. They will learn. Because they, you know, they are, they are curious, you know. It's, it's a wonderland. But anyway, so, so I, I, I challenge myself. You know, every morning, every morning, I have this habit of just waking up, checking Soconet, checking the star, checking this, checking that. Before I know, 15 minutes has gone. And then only I realize, oh, I haven't read my Bible. I haven't prayed. The moment I reach out to the phone, I thought I want to read the Bible. But before I read the Bible, I read the world, everything else. And I'm so intrigued by all the negative news. And I fill my morning with all the negative news, except when Liverpool wins, you know? But, but why we start our day with not touching the phone, but placing the Bible right beside our bedside and just read a chapter, just read a passage, be away with God. So nowadays, when I wake up after the silent retreat, I learn breathing. God, bless my day. It's a blank canvas. Today, I am just going to partner you to paint this day, to make it meaningful. God, drop names into me that I can text. Drop names into me that I can pray for. Drop names into me that I can bless. Most importantly, God, I pray for your mercy upon my family. I pray for my wife, Julie. I pray that she'll go to work happy. I pray for Kira and Katie to enjoy learning. I pray for chaos to be strong and healthy and don't fight with people in school and don't snatch people's things and the teacher won't call me. I thank you, Jesus, that he will not be a troublemaker. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This is my day. You understand? How well it is to start the day like that. We know the concept, but what? We rely on activity books. Unless our cell leader texts us, Unless our pastor put something on the chat group and say, oh, guys, pray for this, pray for that. Or then you remember to pray. Or sometimes you just reply with the emoticon and then you really didn't pray. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> yeah. That's the loudest response I got so far. Yeah. Don't, just, don't just send an emoticon, send a voice text. Just, I mean, not in a group, you know, it will get messy. But if someone really needs prayer, just click to their name and pray a one-minute prayer or 30 seconds prayer. It means the world. But be away. Say be away. be away. Every morning, if you have five minutes, even start with three minutes. Three minutes. Just three minutes being away with God. To just talk to God about your day. And just five minutes before you sleep, talking to God. That will be great. Secondly, this boat, It's amazing. Because this boat is being used to teach the Word of God and to impart truth. This is a boat he thought his people. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. 
Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Jesus got into this boat and started teaching. Jesus got into our lives and started using us to teach the people. Isn't it beautiful? Yes? That the boat is not just for us to catch fish. Now, the boat has a greater purpose. The boat was used to be away from the crowd. The boat was used to draw near to God. Now, the Bible tells us the boat is used as a platform, as a place for Jesus to teach the Word of God. And that boat is your life. How, am, how, how is anyone going to read the Bible except through your life first? They are going to be curious about being a Christian through your life, how you conduct yourself when there's injustice. A lot of people say, I can't stand the injustice in the world. It is exactly the injustice that Jesus needs you, your response to this injustice that people see that God is real. It is because of this loveless world that people are so loving themselves that God needs your life to show that God loves the world. Your life is meant to be used to teach. You say, oh, I'm not the pastor type. I'm not asking you to be the pastor type. I'm asking you to be a Christian. I'm not asking you to be a preacher type. I'm asking you to live your day by day at home, started from home, to be a boat where Jesus can step on to teach the Word of God. You say, but I don't know Genesis to Revelation. Neither do I. Ah, but I don't know the quote like you do. I never see the boat in Mark, even though I read Mark. Well, it is simple. Just spend time. God will give you a different revelation in the way you see things. Are you all with me? But your life, say my life. Your life is to teach the Word of God. This is the greatest calling in your life. That people will read the first Bible. People, non-Christians I mean, will read the first Bible through your life. Your life will be a signpost. Your life will be a place where Jesus will get up so that the crowd will come. But how would the crowd come unless you do well in what you do? How would the crowd come unless you are really dedicated to what you do? And I'm sure it, it, it requires a bit of skill, right? To be not too far. Imagine you are not a good fisherman. Jesus got into your boat. You go to the middle of the sea. Then Jesus like, can you hear me? They have pretty good skill to just be away enough. It speaks our, our, our distance, our proximity in life, that you're not so close that everyone actually come to the boat. It's a good distance. And Jesus used their skill to get into their boat. All of us must know the distance in which we allow Jesus to use us to minister to people. They use their specialty to serve God. And isn't it amazing that the boat just keep coming back, just keep coming back. And I want you to know, look into your neighbor's eyes and say, God is going to use you to teach the Word. It starts with you having a desire. And, and I, want, I want to tell you this. I don't know how many of you have uh, known me long enough, but I, I used to be so nervous when I start to just teach the Word of God. I am, um, I'm... I'm good with one-to-one. -one. I'm good in a small group. Whenever there's a crowd, uh, I, my, my leg will be wobbly. I will go to the toilet 10 times. I will feel like vomiting. And sometimes, seriously, when, when, when I was younger, I used to induce myself to vomit to just make sure that uh, everything is cleared. 
before I preach the Word of God. And most of the time, when I preach, you will not be able to see my eyes because, you know, only the Word of God can change you. So I'm just reading from my script all the time that, uh, you know, the board, the board, and I'll just repeat myself and just say, God, it's not about me. It's all about your Word. It's all about what I prepare. The people that has good heart will get it. The people that uh, don't have a good heart will not get it. And I, I just do that. I can't leave this, this, this pulpit. I, can't, I cannot leave. But because I, I have a heart, I say, God, I know you can use this person, you can use that person, you can use Moses, you can use me. And I, I don't just feel a spiritual high and say, God, I know you want to use me. I put my calling into practice, disciplining myself, knowing myself, being more self-aware of what God has put into my life, and then begin to use my life to teach the Word of God. But as much as I, I, I'm inspired to teach the Word of God in this setting, I know that I should teach the Word of God first to my family when they see me in close proximity. My ministry starts from my family. My ministry starts from my children knowing that I'm a Christian. You know, a lot of people, their children don't know they are Christian at home. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about myself because of the way I react. You know, LJ was just relating to me how this morning he practiced resilience through not overreacting. And I practice that every Sunday. I practice that a lot of times because I said, why, why always late? Why can't we just prepare early? The reason is that, you know, I'm a man. My wife is a woman and it, her five minutes is 50. My five minutes is four minutes. You understand? So there's always differences. And, and, and I, I, I realized that, okay, I must practice my love for my family. And, and, and you know, when you love, you give. When you love, you give. When you begin to not love, you take. So, you must be a Christian first at home. So, thirdly, it's the most famous boat. Say the famous boat. What's this boat? This is the boat to experience the peace of God through the storms. A boat that gives us peace in Jesus through the storms. All of us know this boat. Especially if you are a worship leader, Surely there is a part that says, God, that will come your storms. If Jesus is in the boat, all the storms in your life will cease. Peace. You know what I'm talking about? That I will be still and know you are God. Something like that, you know? You see, I told you I cannot sing. But <laughs> you see, people start leaving already. Anyway, it's okay. I'm, I'm just kidding. Please, please, don't, don't, don't overreact. But, but I, I, I want you to know that this is the famous boat. This is a boat where uh, Jesus got up and the, the storms are still. Like, God, I'm in a financial debt. God, my health is in chaos. God, my friends are leaving me. God, things are not, not, not well in my life. And, and the waves and the winds and the storms. And God, I need you. And then truly, Jesus was in your boat. He spoke and said, peace, and there was peace. I experienced that many times in my life, that my life was chaotic. And you have heard sermon that we must make sure Jesus is in our boat. We must make sure that Jesus is in our boat. And this is the boat that I still want to tell you, that in this world where you are constantly pressured for the what's next, constantly pressured to catch the trend, you know the greatest fear nowadays is not the fear of a lot of things, but the fear of missing, missing out. 
I think the fear of missing out has become the top three of the fears of humankind. And in the world, people are fearful of policemen, but now no more. They are fearful of not being there to see the policemen. Right? If some, something happened on, on, on the road, everyone wants to get bored and stop and see and slow down. But there is a fear of what? Missing out. Missing out on the food festival. Missing out on watching Endgame. Missing out on watching Captain Marvel, even though I don't think it's great, but missing out on so many things. My daughter, every time also book me and say, Papa, Papa, can, can you watch Captain Marvel with me? Please don't watch with your friend. Watch with me, please. Because next day, if she goes to school and her classmate already watched, she will feel left out. And that's a little girl's world. And what about us? We are constantly consuming so that we don't feel missed out. But in this midst of chaos, we should not miss out the most important person, that is Jesus, that will give us true peace. Mark 4, 35 to 40, that day when evening came, he said to his disciple, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, say in the boat. There were also other boats with him. It's beautiful. When you are in a boat, there are also other boats around your life. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if you drown? This is the kind of prayer, most sincere prayer, right? Jesus, don't you care that I'm dying? Don't you care of my family? Don't you care about my finances? Don't you care about my bills? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciple, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Familiar? Is this the famous boat? That we always experience that God is so kind, God is so merciful, that God will always calm the storms in our lives. I don't know how many times He has calmed these storms in my life and He is still the same God yesterday, today and forever. God will always calm our storms. Why not give God a big hand? Amen? Come on. While we are fretting, while we are in the unknown, while we are not sure about our future, while we are still praying for our first child, while we are still praying for our first healing, while we are still praying for our first job, while we are still praying for our first financial breakthrough, God came and calmed our storms. This boat reminds us that we are in the same boat with Jesus Christ, teaching us to trust Him. This is a lesson of trust, that in storms, God wants to remind you that it is the best opportunity to trust Him. Not only that, in Mark chapter 6, verse 51, it is the same. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. So this, is, this, this didn't happen to the disciple once, but twice. He climb, climbed into the boat and the wind died down. So we want to invite Jesus into our boats. Finally, the last one. So there are three boats ready and this is the final boat. Don't miss the boat. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss the boat. This is the boat to bring us to the other side. This is the boat to bring us to the other side. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. 
When Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. Then he left then, got back into the boat and crossed over to the other side. You realize that in the Bible, of course the boat is used to travel. Of course the boat is used to cross over to the other side. This boat is used to be away so that you can be with God. This boat is used so that God can use your life to teach the world. This boat is with you because in the storms, you will experience calmness. But that storm came when you are on your way to the other side. Say the other side. Why? What's on the other side? What's on the other side? What's on the other side? Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And verse 2, uh, I, I, I think I missed out. Verse 2, Jesus got up the boat and was met with a man who was demon-possessed. Just look, Mark chapter 2. Why Jesus went over to the other side? Because there was a man that is living in a graveyard, in a tombstones, that nobody could help him. He was chained and he broke those chains. He went over to the other side because this man that was demon-possessed, and, 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 and when Jesus asked, who are you? He said, I am legion. Means what? There are 6,000 spirits in this man. There are 6,000 evil spirits in this man. And this man could not be helped by anyone else unless Jesus crossed over to the other side. On the other side was this man that had his life living in a graveyard. And we know people like that, that they are just alive at night in a graveyard, that they, they, they are living from one high to another. They are depending on one drug after another. They are depending on one jug after another. They are living in a graveyard and they think that nobody could help them. They just drink to numb themselves to sleep. They have no future. It was darkness and nobody associated with them. It was someone that was bound, yet nobody can really bind him because there was an evil spirit in him. If you read Mark chapter 5, you will read this verse that says nobody could hold this man. On the other side, there was a man that was demon-possessed. That's why Jesus wanted to cross over. On the other side was a, was a, was a woman who was bleeding for 12 years, as Pastor Daniel has said, that this woman that was bleeding represent what? She has no ability to give birth to any child. Because of her condition, she probably would not have a happy family. Because she was bleeding, she has no ability to imagine having a family with children. She was bleeding blood. What does blood mean? Blood means life. She was leaking life away and nobody could help her until she... No wonder Jesus wants to cross over to the other side because many of them on the other side are leaking life. Many of them in our school, in our office, in our business, in, our pla in the places that we come from, they have no life. They live from one paycheck after another. They have no life. They just feel, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? What's the point of living? What is, worth, what is worthy of my time? What is worthy? What, no, nothing is worthy. So Jesus went over to the other side so that this woman will have his blood issue cured. She can properly picture a family. What's on the other side? I mean, all these are in Mark. You can read, you know, do as your devotion. Read Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 6 tonight. 
And then on the other side, there was this girl, 12 years old, that was dying. It's not a coincidence that this woman was leaking her blood for 12 years old, and then there was a girl that was dying that's 12 years old, and you know what? On the way, she really died. On the way where Jesus agreed to heal her, she died. But Jesus raised this girl from the dead. What does that represent? It represents a young generation that has no future, that see no purpose, that see no, no, no hope for what's ahead. A young girl being robbed of her life. People that are suffering, people that are going through pain, people that are going through domestic abuse. There are someone on the other side that has her whole future robbed away just at 12 years old. No wonder Jesus went over to the other side to restore hope for the new generation. So Jesus did not just go for this man that was possessed. Jesus went for a woman that was leaking with blood. Jesus went over for a little girl that has his future robbed away from her. That was why she went over to the other side. Jesus went over to the other side. That's why you are here. Why not we give him a big hand? Come on. Oh, come on, give him praise. There is someone on the other side waiting for you. You don't just go to work. You don't just go to school. Every time you go to school, you go to work, remind yourself that you're crossing to the other side. Can I have an amen? amen. Don't wait until Sunday to be a Christian. You must be most Christian on Monday, not Sunday. You are a light, am I right? The light should shine the brightest in darkness, not in light. He went over to the other side. By what means? The boat. Say, don't be, miss the boat. And I was share, and I, and I, as I sharing with you now, let me share with you my story. Is that okay? You have time for a story? And so last year, last year, and I, I, I have confession to made. I, I, I felt lah. You please don't take it out of context. My heart. Is that a song? Okay, don't have. Never mind. Don't try. Later, one more leaf. Listen to my heart. I, I, I came to a place where I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm full-time in church. I, I, I feel that, feel a bit suffocated. I feel that, uh, I shared with Daniel personally. I felt, I said, I think I am surrounded by too many Christians. Please listen to me. I felt like, yeah, God, you call me to be a light, but I'm among the lights. My family are Christians. My extended family Christian, I go to office. When we are stressed, we pray. We can worship. We can whip up the guitar. All around me, Christian. My leaders that I deal with are Christians. You know, sometimes you go to a barber shop. You also want to support your brother. My barber also Christian. <laughs> My mechanic also. Sometimes people recommend uh, this uncle go and support him lah. He's also a brother in another church. Mechanic also Christian. I said, God, all around me, Christian. Everyone also Christian. I said, God, I'm kind of tired of Christian. I'm tired of Christian. I'm tired of myself. And I said, God, there must be something more to just doing what I've been doing. Listen with a discernment heart. And I said, God, I think there really must be more in my life that I can do. I'm, it's great preaching and getting people saved in church, being the pastor that people will introduce and say, oh, this is Pastor Keith, he can pray for you. It's great. I love to help people and I love to 
love and bless people. But then there's something inside of me that felt I cannot just be a Christian like that. I believe Jesus spent very little time in a synagogue. He spent more time in the marketplace. And I say, God, would you use me? I began to throw away all the activity books that I know. I begin to stop searching for just the right answers. And I say, God, would you use me? Would you use me and be a blessing? I don't know. And being in church uh, after working for a while, there's this, there's this question in my heart that I want to share with you is that, am I worth anything? Am I of any value being a pastor for so long? Am I like the champion in church, but actually I am like uh, nobody? So deep inside of me, I say, God, am I valuable? Am I useful? Or am I just living in a bubble? And I begin to pray and I say, God, there must be really something else that you want to show me. And I say, try myself to be in the marketplace. Let's, let's try, see whether, God, I'm of any use or not. It was a very simple thought and struggle inside of me for some time. And then came along one day after Sunday, you know what's our favourite activity? We go to Empire Subang Jaya Grocer to do grocery. You know grocery is a therapy. I don't know whether you are there or not, but pushing the cart and seeing that there's so many things to choose from, you put, you take, you put back, it's very therapeutic. So, so Sunday afternoon, I usually go Jaya Grocer and just, you know, shop for milk, vitagen. It makes you feel very empowered, you know, just, I can afford, you know. <laughs> I can afford. So, so, so uh, I, bump into, I bump into this couple. One of them is by the name of Kevin. And uh, that, uh, an Insta story captured that day is that uh, I bumped into Kevin. He's, uh, he's an insurance agent that owns agency. From far, he saw me. Paskiv! I said, hey, hi. From Collective? Yeah, usually that's, that's, that's the way I say it. From Collective? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a member for five years. I said, oh man, so sorry. How come we have never met? Oh yeah, it's okay. I always chow early one. The last song, uh, I chow already. Oh, okay, very honest. Uh. Then I said, okay. So if you chow early, please don't chow early today. Okay. So, so he said, what do you do? He said, oh, I, I run my own agency. I said, wow, that's great. He said, uh, what are you doing? I said, oh, uh, I'm just buying grocery and all. Then she got, he, he got two girls, twins. He said, how do you come to know God? How do, how do you come to know Collective? Oh, me and my wife been trying for a child for five years. And my wife got very depressed and it was very, very difficult for our marriage. And then we decided it's time to give religion a try. So we tried different religion and then we came. Uh, one of my agent brought me to, Crystal brought me to uh, City Harvest that time. And I said, oh, so what happened? Oh, we started praying and, you know, we decided to trust God again. And we went to give this try to an IVF and God bless us with a twin. I know it must be from God because a lot of my friends are trying but none of them got it and God bless them with twins. Why not give God a big hand? Amen? And is it? You know, this is how old the children are, about four or five. That was when they came, when, when she pregnant. And she has, they have been coming ever since. I said, awesome. So, what's your job like? He said, hey, I'm really very thankful for Collective. I said, why? He said, my Monday is like your Sunday. That's the... 
And Monday is like your Sunday. I say, why? Oh, we do everything like the service. We do everything like you all. Whatever you all preach, huh, I just bring and tell my agent. I said, what? I like it. So, so, so it, it, it clicked. And I say, my Monday is like your Sunday. I don't want to do anything. I, I, like Sunday, he doesn't want to do anything, right? He just want to go to church and rest. I say, my Monday is like yours. I just want to rest. I don't want to see any Christian, you know? So, so suddenly I thought, since church has been a blessing for you, I say, can I go to your agency and give a talk? Huh? No la, cannot la. I shocked, rejected, you know, like immediately. <laughs> I step out, straight away sing, you know. <laughs> but he said this, he said, no la, our people very little la, very small, cannot, cannot, cannot. I said, nah, it's okay la, please. Give me a chance la. I said, you only have so little people. No la, you used to talk to a lot of people. I said, I also don't know. I have never tried, Kevin. Why not? He said, okay, we meet and talk. Huh? We meet and talk. Talk again. I thought like, you know, entertain me only. La. Talk, talk again. But, you know, a lot of people like that. Copy, ah, copy. Yum cha, yum cha. I know. La. Hey. Let's do. Hey. But anyway, he texted me again. He said, I, I give it a thought. Ah. I talked to some of my shareholders and agents and said, when you free, free? I said, Monday I'm free. Oh, Monday is our power Monday. Do you want to come? I said, yes. When? So we schedule a date. And he asked me, what's my topic? I cannot preach about Moses. <laughs> I cannot preach about anybody. I thought, why not I teach them to be healthy? Let's just teach them to be healthy. And then, ta-da, you know, I went. Uh, I mean, these are different, different meetings. I went. And I gave my first talk to this agency. You know what? There's no mention of Bible, no mention of Jesus, no mention of God, no mention of the Amen, Hallelujah. Don't have Elaine playing the music. This is the most important for a preacher, you know, this music. Don't have. We welcome Mr. Keith. Come on, give him a big hand. Okay, go. Then just talk. I gave a 30 minutes talk. And then after that, I got a sending ovation and applause and then then I realised whatever that God has put in my life it is good anywhere because everyone needs love everyone needs hope it is not about my skills and my strategy but it is about the message that God has put inside every single world to be a light in the darkness and then I began to give my talk and a few agents came and said wow you're Kevin's friend huh? I said yeah 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 how you all know each other I said, oh, we're same church. I'm very scared they know I'm pastor. I'm really very, very, very scared. <laughs> a, a lot of people nowadays, that are, now I'm out more, they always ask, so what's the difference between a pastor and a father? You're a father or a pastor? <laughs> I'm a father at home, you know. I'm a father. But, but they, they're curious, lah. I know what they're asking about. So you, why well, you can get married one? A lot of them ask me questions like that. Hey, why you why you wear like that? So, so I like it. I like it. I come alive. I come alive, and God answered my prayer. But there's this gentleman that came that said something changed me. He said, "Hey, you're very different from other speaker we have. You always teach us with the with the greatest way of closing sales, how to connect, how to increase our network, how to increase our net worth. What's the latest trend? How to engage the social media? 
you teach us uh, like very inside out. Uh. I say, <laughs> good word, uh, very inside out. You know why? Because only God can move inside out. Can I have an amen? Can I give God a big hand? And, and this, is, this is coming from a non-believer. But ever since I've given more talks, do I have other photos? And I, uh, that, that, that's my first talk. You know, the way I dress, I got to dress appropriately, suit and tie. And then that's uh, Stella. Stella is uh, uh, the branches for Go Noodle, a, a bunch of young people that I go and talk to their directors. And I have come alive in this to cross over to the other side. But what, what's on the other side? A lot of them share with me their marriages issue. Some of, some of them, even though they are selling insurance, are sharing with me their health issue. I know they need Jesus. Praise be to God, by now, I have probably brought about 10 people to church already. Some of them accepted Christ. Some of them accepted Christ. Some of them don't like church. They just like to meet me on the weekdays. They want the more attention. But it's okay. I took my first step. I crossed over to the other side with my boat. I no longer am afraid because I know God didn't ask me to leave my boat. I went back to my boat, being trained as an engineer before. It helps me in my talk. Being trained in church to give, to preach, helps me. Wherever I come from, whatever that God has put inside of you, week in and week out coming here, it is of value. Turn to your neighbour and say, it is of value. If all, thing, if all things fail, there is an anointing that comes upon you every time you worship God. There is a relationship in you towards God that people are hungry about. There's a way you run your life and make your decision that people want to know how. You are of value because you have a relationship with God, City Light. Don't look down on it. And if I took this step to go over, what about you that are already living in the marketplace daily? You are more Jesus than I am. You are more Jesus than I am. You are in a better place than I am. I want to encourage you to cross over. Say cross over. Let's not go to work, just be addicted with a paycheck. You know, some people can be addicted with drugs. Some people can be addicted with smoking. Some people can be addicted with alcohol. But there's an addiction to the paycheck that we don't know. That we just want to get the pay. Feel the high on your 30th or 28th. I don't know which day you get a paycheck. Lock into your Maybank and your public bank and just look at the, just look at the savings. <sighs> I think God is bigger than that. Amen. Let's cross over to the other side in a more practical way. I think this church is doing great. I have one more point, I have one more story and I'll end. But I want to collect an offering today. Before I pray for everybody, before we worship God further, I have one last, one last boat that I want to show you. But when I was worshipping, I asked God, God, how can I challenge the people to be generous? God, give me this picture. You know, you go to cinema, you buy ticket, you buy for one seat, right? Say A or B, all the way on the top. B9, B10, center. B6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay, you sit. So you buy something for your rights. But I don't want you to bring this attitude to come to church like a cinema. I pay so that I get a seat. I get the center seat with the sound and visual I like. So I pay a 10 bucks. I want you to think. I remember those days where we do outreach. We buy tickets for new friends. Like, 
let's not just pay for one seat. Let's pray for, pay for five seats, ten seats, so that more people will have the opportunity to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that more staff can be employed to reach out to Penang. So that you realise that this church is not just struggling to make financial means. But God has blessed you. You can be generous. Today, my imagination is, God, I don't want to just pay for one seat. I want to pay for 10 seats. And these 10 seats, I imagine I'm going to bring 9 friends this Easter. I'm going to bring 10 friends this Easter. I want the seats to be filled so that people will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be selfish to always eat only. I can pay for 3 seats today. I can pray. I can pray. I can pay so that the church can buy more seats. You see, it's already full. We can buy more seats. Today, as you give, let's pray that the church will grow. Remember, we must always get away. We must always teach the Word of God. We must always allow God to calm our storms. We must cross over to the other side. When you give today, give so that city light will cross over to the other side. There are more things that we can do together. Amen? And I believe as you give, let's believe God for a miracle. Let's not just give because we feel compelled and touched. God is a good Father. We can be generous today. Some of you, you felt, yeah, you speak to me. I want to pledge. I want to pledge for like a 10 seats in my giving to visualize that God, not only my offering, but you will use my life to make an impact to the people around me. I want to pray that you will be more than generous today. Remember, don't pay for a cinema ticket. Don't tip God. Give with an element of faith and hope in your hands. Can I pray? You have your offerings? I know giving can be a habit, but giving must be an act of faith as well. Yeah? Dear Jesus, I commit those marriages that are struggling to you. Dear Jesus, I commit those financial debts, stress, health issues. Dear Jesus, I commit all the people that are in a limbo in different relationships. God, you will calm their storms. You will speak peace into their lives. More importantly, God, as we give today, we give with a posture of wanting City Light to cross over to the other side. You know what? In my heart, I sense that I should prophesy over this, that the other side is the mainland. That as you give today, something will happen in the mainland. That something will happen, that, that this, this great presence, this, this space that I carry the presence of God will be exported over to the other side. That people will no longer cross the bridge to just come here, but you will go over to the other side. That as you give, there will be a venue prepared for you. There will be preachers and leaders that will reach out to the people in the mainland. No longer will there be a gap, but you will bring the gospel over. But God, this is not just an aspiration or a dream. It requires finances for us to reach to the other side. We need to drive over with petrol. We need to rent a place. We need to have equipment. We need to pay stuff. But God, we know it's worthy because we are preaching your gospel. So as we give today, we pray for the work over to the mainland, to cross over to the other northern regions. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ashes, would you be generous and serve the people? I thank you for giving week in and week out. I thank you for being generous. This church is where you are. Thank you. Where you are because of your giving. 
Why not you give your neighbor a pat on the shoulder and say, thank you for giving all these years. Come on. Are you ready for the last boat? Oh yeah, they're giving details. Sorry. Can you flash it again? Yeah. So tithe, building fund, make it to City Light Church, Penang. So public bank. Just store it in your um, favorites. 3177874802. When you buy in Lazada and all, you know, remember to also give whenever you are online. So a lot of people, hey, I want to give, but I don't know the bank account. You know, store it in. Make it your favorite. What's the last boat? You still have time? Yeah. Uh, is it okay? In, there's one more boat that Jesus reminded the disciples of their calling. This is the last boat that Jesus reminded the disciples of their calling. And in John chapter 21, verse 3 to verse 4, and after all that they have experienced in the life with Jesus, you know what Peter, the one that's closest to Jesus, say, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the, and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus said to them, Bring some fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was a full large fish. It was full of large fish, sorry. 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. We know the subsequent story. Jesus restored Peter. You remember? Yeah. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. It was on that boat, after toiling the whole night, that Jesus went back to the shore to call the disciples again. Sometimes we said, I'm tired of serving. I've tried all things. Leaders have disappointed me. Members have not appreciated me. He said, I think my calling is more in the marketplace. Uh. I, I, cannot, I have no time to serve that much. It's like Peter leaving and say, after all the miracles, who recognize or who appreciate us? We cast out demons. We raise the dead. We heal the woman with the issue of blood. We do so many miracles. We feed 5,000 people. All ungrateful people want us to die. You feel like that? Come early, arrange chair. <sighs> What's the point? I just go back and fish lah. You understand what the meaning? Better lie. Just you tell your pastor. Let me go and earn more, so I can give to church. This is not right, lah. God doesn't want your money. You know why? Because when they bring the fish to Jesus, if you read John chapter twenty-one, Jesus was already cooking fish. You read it again. You read it again. When they got up, Jesus asked, "Have you any fish?" Jesus already doing his ikan baka, you know. Jesus, Jesus doesn't need your fish, but he needs your heart. Jesus doesn't need your fish, he needs your heart. You can earn as much as you can, do well in the marketplace, but your heart must be directed to God. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to restore your calling, that you are meant for more. You are meant for more. I pray today 
God will bring you back to your boat. Maybe it's your high school CF days. Maybe it's your uni days. God will bring back your boat where you love to do what you do in a playing futsal or badminton. You found so much joy serving God. Maybe it is your boat when you were started working, you know, you have no car yet, you have to take public transport, but that public transport doesn't cause you stress because on that way, on the journey, you pray, you read, your simple faith of joining every camps, going to every prayer meeting, go back to your boat. Go back to your boat because God will remind you that the best thing that you can do is to really answer your call. And this boat is in Mark again and again and again and again. Why? Because God wants to remind you where you come from. Where you come from is not just what you do. Where you come from is where you first fall in love with God. Where you first fall in love with God. The first moment they let go, they encounter Jesus. Hey, I heard this Jesus is very famous. Why they call us? Uh? That joy of following God. That joy of just sticking to Him. That joy of experiencing all the wonders. The first time, imagine the first time a blind man can see. The first time you experience the presence of God, you don't care and you just worship. I believe God wants to remind you your calling, that you are not here just to do the chore. You are here to transform lives for Jesus Christ. Amen? Close your eyes before we go. Nobody is watching, looking. Let's not be in a hurry to chow like Kevin. Let's just spend a more about... Give me five minutes, is that okay? I will end before 12 o'clock. Are you on a workbook? Or are you on a canvas? If God were to hand you a blank canvas today, how would you describe your relationship with Him? Your relationship with God is not described through the Bible verses that you memorize. Your relationship with God is not through all the apologetics that you have learned. Your relationship with God is not on all the songs that you can sing. Your relationship with God is not the lengthy prayers or the Lord's prayer that you can memorize. Your relationship with God is one that requires you to answer, where are you? Where am I, God? Am I close or am I far? Not what I do, not what I have, not how people see me, but who I am in God. I want to bring you back to this boat where it all started. That church, the calling of God, serving Him, it's all pure joy, pure privilege. I would say pure grace. You would ask God, God, why would you use me? Despite of all my flaws and my weaknesses, God, why would you ever call me? I can't preach. I can't do this. But over the years, you have accumulated more experience, you have accumulated probably more recognition, and it is harder for you to serve, harder for you to worship. As I'm saying to you, I am saying to myself, it is harder for me in the silent retreat to just read the Bible as it is from God. I repented and I say, God, I'm sorry. I just want your heart. I just want you, Jesus. Today in this place, if you are dis 